you are Locked On Spurs, your daily San Antonio Spurs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Spurs on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am Jeff Garcia, your host for today's episode, and the Headley Spurs news writer at News for San Antonio and Fox 29 San Antonio.com. We have a special guest today right here on Lockdown Spurs, Brian Geltzeiler. You know him on Twitter, at Hoops Critic. He's also the host of Sirius XN NBA Radio and a contributor at NBA TV. And what he and I are going to talk about today is the infamous Kawhi Leonard letter and a general topic based pretty much can the Spurs make any noise in the Western Conference, let alone the NBA next season, after losing Claw and Danny Green. That's going to bring on Brian. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining Lockdown Spurs. Oh, my pleasure, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, are you keeping uh, dry? It's uh, pretty wet out here in the Northeast. Oh yeah, no, I'm. It's uh, we've been pretty wet lately. Saturday we saw some rains around here. We yeah, in a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, I'm up here in New York City too. Uh, you're in my neighbor down in Jersey, and uh, man, it's been soaking today. But let's go to dive into this main event, and you know, Kawhi Leonard. After weeks since that trade to Toronto, finally said something via a letter to the city of San Antonio, and did profusely thank San Antonio and the fans. But it didn't go over quite well with some media and especially the fans who felt it was not from him, that maybe he was just better off not saying a thing. Brian, you've been pretty vocal about Kawhi Leonard and his situation with San Antonio. What did you make of this letter? Well, I think the letter was pretty simple. It was a thank you to the fans. And I think what's happened is that between what's been leaked out of the Spurs organization, between what the media has chosen to write regarding Kawhi Leonard, and I'm always skeptical of stories that come out after the fact, hey, this is what happened two years ago. We didn't report it then because he was still here, but he's gone now, so now we're going to report it. And we've gotten the boat loaded on that kind of stuff coming out of the local San Antonio media regarding Kawhi Leonard. Is it a shock to me that someone would take a thank you letter to the fans of San Antonio that Kawhi wanted to put out there just because he did appreciate, you know, who the fans had been to him for the most part. Uh, You know, listen, when it's come to this whole Kawhi situation, the Spurs, the Spurs local media, and the fans have read Kawhi Leonard wrong from the jump. It's not a surprise to me, Jeff, that this letter would be more of the same. The letter was well-intended. The letter was certainly something that he wanted to, you know, get out to the fans and, and, and express some appreciation for who they had been to him and, and all his years in San Antonio, because really Kawhi never, ever envisioned leaving San Antonio. That was not anything that, to my knowledge, was ever on his radar till this whole thing with the second opinion happened. So, uh, you know, to him, he really did love these fans. And, and I think the way a lot of, the uh, you know, the Spurs, the media, the fans have kind of turned on him has been a little shocking to him yeah you knew i i mentioned uh this uh, situation you know with Kawhi leonard the spurs and the fans and a recent lockdown spurs and in particularly he was pretty much no win situation if he remains silent well then he's going to get criticized for that if he says something he, now we see he got criticized for that uh, brian it was just simply a no win situation in my opinion it's listen he's 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 I don't expect the Spurs fans 
to necessarily be happy with him under any circumstance. I don't think he right. expects the Spurs fans to be happy with him under any circumstance. I, I don't think that's no. the case either. Yeah. I, I, I think what we've run into here is that, you know, it, it's, and, I, and listen, the biggest misnomer that's come out of all this, and I think what's probably been the hardest thing for Kawhi and his family is that this whole notion that somehow he has been given bad advice and is mm-hmm. listening to bad advice to make these decisions. And I think the, the, that whole theory and notion, Jeff, totally defies what really is happening within Kawhi and his close family members who he uses as somewhat of an advisory council to make his own decisions. But the thought that his Uncle Dennis is telling him what to do and he's doing it is patently false. It's actually the other way around. Kawhi Leonard is making every single one of these decisions on his own. Sometimes his uncle wants him to do something differently than what he's deciding. His, his family generally was on board with him spending his entire career with the San Antonio Spurs. And when the second opinion thing went awry and the Spurs got very upset that he decided to not trust their medical staff, but trust the personal doctors that he was paying for when they kind of gave him a diagnosis that was more consistent with how his body felt than what the Spurs were saying. The whole thing went, went south. And I think Kawhi believed as a star player, he had earned with what he had, you know, kind of the capital he had built up with the organization. He felt as though he had earned the benefit of the doubt. And I think it was shocking and upsetting and completely entirely. And this is the word that means it all in all of this, Jeff, trust. That broke yeah. down any trust Kawhi had in the organization at all when he felt as though he had earned the benefit of the doubt that they weren't giving him based upon for whatever reason, which I have my theories about those reasons, but they were not giving him that benefit of the doubt. And then this whole thought that somehow he is the puppet to his Uncle Dennis's puppeteer was a flat-out insult to a 27-year-old man who's more than capable of making his own business and career decisions if you look at what he's accomplished in his short amount of time in the NBA. What is your opinion on this, Brian, the fact that during the drama, during the saga, during the he said, she said, uh, you know, back and forth, the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard and his camp experience, before the trade, uh, him simply just saying something. You've heard about that. You heard, you know, fans, uh, media base saying, you know, Kawhi, just say something. Just, just tell us, are you in, are you out? You know, we heard about the infamous meeting that, you know, Tony Parker and Monty Ginobili led, you know, where, where are you, uh, Kawhi Leonard, where do you stand? You can be with us or uh, not with us. You know, should he have said something when you look back at the situation? Not necessarily. It was really, here's the thing. He did say something. When push came to shove, he said to Greg Popovich face-to-face in California, uh, I want to be traded. I'm not, I don't want to come back yeah. in the locker room. He did say something. Yeah. yeah, again, Kawhi Leonard is not a guy who makes public proclamations. It's not who he is. He's not going to make public proclamations. And he was fine to stay with the team right up until they had a players-only meeting and everybody turned on him because there was a, a firm belief, and I think that locker room was kind of divided among some guys. There's a firm belief among plenty of guys that he was healthy enough to be playing and should have been playing. But Kawhi had a different doctor tell him, no, you were not healthy enough to be playing. And it really came down to, was it an injury or is it a chronic condition and had to be managed? Well, I think Kawhi who looked at, and his doctor looked at it as this is something that can very well be a chronic condition that we have to worry about managing. And in the absence of a surgical option, which they're not going to do, rest was the one 
a way to really keep this chronic condition muted going forward. So he took the extra rest because that was the recommendation that his own personal yeah. physician made. So when you look at everything ha that happened in San Antonio, what everybody else believed Kawhi should be doing, and then when Kawhi didn't agree with what everybody else believed that he was supposed to be doing, this automatically meant that his uncle was steering him wrong. Because Kawhi can yeah. never on his own disagree with what the Spurs said, right? I mean, come on. Some of this stuff insults Kawhi Leonard's intelligence, his manhood, to such an extent that he's just a guy who's, gonna, who's malleable, and if he's not going to be manipulated by the Spurs to do what they want, he's going to be manipulated by his Uncle Dennis, right? Because that's a narrative. That's a narrative you get everywhere. And it's yeah. the exact antithesis of the truth. The truth is that Kawhi was put, he got offended by the Spurs. He lost all trust in them when they didn't trust that, that, that he was counting on the second opinion because it's what was best for him, that they didn't trust that Kawhi's always been a gamer. And if he could be on the floor, he'd love to be on the floor. But his body was telling him something different than what they were telling him. And in the end, they didn't trust him enough in that situation. And Tony Parker spoke out. And although Ginobili's words, I don't think hit Kawhi that hard because they were a little bit more muted. Parker certainly were not. And I think Greg Popovich is somewhat condescending public attitude towards the Kawhi situation. And granted, I, I don't think it's unfair to Pop have, to have that attitude. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of it, I think, was out of sheer frustration with the whole situation. So, I mean, that's human mm -hmm. nature. Pop's, you know, got his sleeves rolled up dealing with this stuff day to day. But I think all those things contributed into Kawhi saying, I don't really trust these people anymore because it's quite obvious they don't trust me. And, and so when you had that and then you get the point where you feel like your intelligence is being underestimated and then you're not being respected as a man who can make his own decisions. I mean, the writing kind of ended up all over the wall for Kawhi Leonard to say, hey, you know what? This is not a place for me anymore. We are joined by Brian Gilzeiler. You know him on Twitter, at Oops Critic, and he is a host on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Brian, you know, looking back at the situation, you know, there, it, was in a, it was a, I guess, lack of a better word to say, it was a no-win, no-win situation. The Spurs were not going to win, um, even if they were to somehow have smoothed over uh, any type of ill will with Kawhi, you know, he stays, you know, there's still that locker room, there's still the fan base that turns on him. And then no one too, if he, if he stays just himself, knowing that he's in an environment like that. Uh, and then you have the trade to Toronto. Uh, what did you, what did you hear about the trade and, you know, him ultimately getting dealt to Toronto? Was LA still the prime destination for him, whether it had been the Clippers or the Lakers? Yeah, he wants to be in L.A. Everything I'm told okay. at this point in time is that he wants to be in L.A. But here's the thing. The Clippers didn't have the type of package the Spurs wanted. I mean, they were leading with their two late lottery picks, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Jerome Richardson. I mean, they didn't have uh, yeah. they didn't have anything that was really going to be uh, all that attractive to San Antonio because the Spurs and the Spurs in a Kawhi deal did not want a deal that was just a future deal. Um, they mm -hmm. wanted a deal that was going to give them a now type of player. So as you know, listen, we, we saw this earlier in the summer, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported that Greg Popovich probably has at most two years left. With those two mm -hmm. years being left, he wants they want to compete. They got LaMarcus Aldridge, they just signed to an extension. They want to be as competitive as possible. So it was paramount to them in a deal to be able to get back a star player. And when you look at, at the Lakers were not willing to offer anything big and just because they believe they can go get Kawhi in free agency, I maybe they can, maybe they can't. But they weren't willing to make the Spurs the right kind of offer. The Clippers didn't have what they needed, and for everybody else it was cents on the dollar because they understood that Kawhi 
was most likely going to be a rental. Toronto is okay with Kawhi being a rental. Because keep in mind, Masai Ujiri was going to blow this thing up five years ago when he got there. I mean, if James Dolan yeah. says yes, they trade Kyle Lowry to the Knicks in, in Masai Ujiri's first year there. So he decided to keep the thing together and give everybody a chance because it started to look good and work out. But he's been waiting to put his own stamp on this thing for a really long time. And the one contract that stood in the way from him, you know, working a faster rebuild if things didn't go well was the DeRozan contract. So now the Spurs have it. They have him and Aldridge locked up as a combination for the next two to three years for them to see if they can go compete. Um, And then for Toronto, I don't think they're going to keep Leonard. I don't think they think they're going to keep Leonard. But they have a better team this year than they did last year when they won 59 games and were a one seed. LeBron's not there anymore. So they give themselves one last run to go to the finals. And if by some chance they can keep Kawhi, well, they've kind of kept themselves together longer with, with, with a group and certainly maybe give themselves a couple extra years to compete. If they don't, well, fine, because here's the thing. Next summer, they're going to have $77 million in expiring deals between Lowry wow. and Baca. Valanciunas yeah. and Van Vliet. Okay, so that's a lot of cash. That's a lot of cash. Yeah. one year deal, all with one year left. So their financial situation is awesome going forward. Even if they lose Leonard, and they have a nice young group there, and they got some young players. Siakam's an interesting young player, and a newbie is an interesting young player. So they have something to build off of, and not a lot of money to spend. So for Toronto here, this is kind of that springboard you know, Boston-esque rebuild, you know, that they want to do, granted, without all the Nets picks, which certainly was a big yeah. help, but <laughs> it's, it's a Boston-esque type of rebuild. Yeah. They're going to be able to, you know, Masai thinks he can turn this thing around pretty quickly if Kawhi decides at least. So both ways it work that way. It wasn't going to work either of those ways. Listen, in either of the L.A. places, Kawhi stays, but for the Lakers, again, they didn't want to do it. For the Clippers, they didn't have enough, and this way it works out fine for Toronto. And let's be honest, it works out fine for for Kawhi Leonard while he's waiting to get yeah. to L.A. He's got a chance to go to the finals in the East, a good chance, which is not a bad thing for him either. Yeah, and hopefully uh, you know, for him, you know, he'll get another uh, chip on his resume. Now, before we uh, transition into the outlook for San Antonio, uh, one more little, just a quick little thought on this, Brian. You know, now that Kawhi is gone, you know, he traded to Toronto um, a couple seasons ago. There was the uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, him wanting out reportedly to the point where Popovich even said, yeah, he wanted to be traded. You see two of those type of situations with two stars in the NBA. You think, especially with Kawhi Leonard, you know, do you think that he's kind of a stain right now on this Spurs organization that has been, you know, glorified for over nearly two decades now? I think stain's probably a strong word, Jeff. Okay. But I will tell you this. And, you know, I wrote the Kawhi piece on, on, my, on my website, hoopscritic.com. I heard from it, and I will not mention names, but I heard from a couple old school Spurs that said, hey, you hit this one on the head. They didn't handle this one right. Yeah. And I think you'll get a, and and there was a lack of understanding of where Kawhi was coming from with any of this, and more than that, I think a lack of effort of understanding. So I don't know that's necessarily. Listen, the Spurs have done a ton in twenty years. Greg Popovich, to yes, me, maybe the yes. best coach to ever coach in any sport ever. Okay, and and I, and I love everything about Greg Popovich. It also doesn't mean he's perfect. He's going to make mistakes. You listen, he made one of the biggest mistakes in NBA history, putting Tim Duncan on the bench for the last possession oh, of, of Game Six in 2013. That's a coaching mistake. He made it. Okay, doesn't make. Does, he's still one of the best coaches ever with that mistake on his resume. He's still one of the best coaches ever. Okay, if not the with this Kawhi Leonard mistake on his resume. But I do think that people are going to look a little bit closer at the Spurs, and now that. 
Parker is gone, now that Duncan is gone, now that Ginobili is, we're getting down to the end with him. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a different kind of perspective to look at the Spurs league-wide in terms of are they still the same? Is this still the same gold standard? Or, or is the whole culture, because keep one thing in mind about the Spurs culture, Jeff, okay? It, it's always been through this run. The whole thing is that you've got to be, to be welcome within that organization on any level. You have to be the kind of person that A, will deflect credit and accept blame, and B, keep everything that happens in-house, okay? Mm-hmm. Those two hallmarks of the Spurs culture, they violated them both with Kawhi. And a lot of people have taken yeah. notice that they violated them both with Kawhi. So there is going to be a look. Is I don't know if necessarily it's going to be a black mark on the Spurs going forward. Yeah. There is kind of a peering in of is this still the same Spurs organization? And I think the acid test for is it still the same Spurs is what's going to happen here with DeMar DeRozan? How is he going to be treated? Is he going to be happy? Is he going to be comfortable? I think he is, and I think it's all going to go well, and I think this ends up being something the Spurs just kind of move on from because I do have as, as critical as I've been of them in this situation, and I've been very critical and, and, and will continue to be critical because I don't think they handled this well on any level. With all that said, I do think it was a misstep and not a sign of something bigger, but there are plenty out there in the league, including people, again, that were longtime Spurs and have played for them that will remain nameless that I have heard from, okay, that are going to be looking to say, hey, is it still the same way it was when I was there? So there is a little bit of, of caution going forward. Are these still the same Spurs? And have things changed because we're getting to the end because Pop's going to leave soon. That's certainly is a notion that's out there is that maybe things are being rushed along, done a little bit differently because they're under the gun with pop looking at an exit within the next couple of years. Yeah. And as much as uh, many will point to the loss of Tim Duncan to retirement and Tony Parker, you know, via free agency. And of course you mentioned Monty Ginobili's uh, time as an NBA player dwindling down. I think perhaps one of the biggest losses would be Popovich. And if once he decides to hang up, his uh, coaching clipboard and uh, call out a career. I think that's really going to rock the Spurs organization because who takes that mantle? You know, how do you, how do you replace a man who has done what he has done in a small market? Uh, you know, they're always financially conscious. The Spurs are, and um, putting together a group of players to have success year, year in, year out, season in, season out. So I think that's going to be a huge uh, hurdle. The Spurs will have to, uh, face one day and maybe sooner than later. Uh, again, yeah. we are with Brian Giltzailer. You know him on tw- Twitter at Hoops Critic. Uh, Brian, your thoughts on that? Well, here's the first of all. I do think this, Jeff. I think that they do when Pop decides to go. I, don't, I, I think if they, they don't need to overthink it. And what I mean is this. Okay, listen, RC takes over. Yeah. runs the whole organization, you just slide Edere Messina over one seat yeah. and let him take what he's learned from Pop, take what he's learned all those years, and let him guide the ship for whatever the next five. I mean, he's not going to be there for 20 years, okay? Mm-hmm. But the next five to seven years, as you see this thing through, I mean, that's what I would do. I would, I would try to keep as much continuity as possible based upon all the good things that have happened. And that, to me, would mean RC, you know, being, being the lead dog there, which he's obviously more than qualified to do at this stage. Mm-hmm. And Messina's had a lot of interviews and hasn't gotten hired. Um, I, I think that that's been a mistake. I think Charlotte made a mistake this year, and I like James Borrego. I think he'll do a nice job there. But and there's plenty of teams that could have brought Messina in, who's an excellent coach, and I, I think he would do a great job here. So to me, it doesn't – you know, we've 
Becky Hammond's a name you hear, and that certainly would be mm-hmm. interesting, and she's done a nice job there. Uh, Amy Yadok is another name that you'd hear, all ones that are promoting from within. I would be very surprised if when Greg Popovich leaves, if they go to look to the outside to bring in a coach. I would think it's going to be one of those three names, Messina, Yudoka, or Becky Hammond. And if you ask me, I would make sure Messina, he would be my first choice for that job. Yeah, Messina did get a lot of applause for uh, at least from NBA players and their first experience with him over at the uh, 2018 NBA uh, Africa game. And so a lot of players, uh, you know, really took an eye to him and said, "Whoa, this guy is pretty good." So it looks like uh, some NBA players outside of San Antonio are recognizing Messina's prowess. All right, let's talk, talk about the future, or at least the near future, of this Spurs organization. And is this? You know, they lose. Kawhi Leonard via trade, they lost Danny Green via trade. You know, we're 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 seeing a new wave of young blood uh, being meshed into the Spurs system. You know, Lonnie Walker, their draft pick. They're gonna they're obviously gonna give. I think they're going to give a lot of more time to guard Derek White, second year pro, and of course Dejounte Murray is gonna be taking the reins once again at point guard. You add in a Demar Derozan, as you mentioned, Brian. How do you see this team? You know. Can they make any noise in the West, let alone the NBA? Well, here's the thing. I, I, I will tell you, first of all, you looked at the, the preliminary over-unders came out the other day. Yeah. And the Spurs was low. It was like 43, Jeff, 44? Yeah, it was right? 43. Yeah, it was 43. That's too low. That's too low. That's, I, cause here, because here's how I look at the Western Conference, okay? You have two teams on the same tier, and I, you're not going to get me to buy after the fact that Houston came as close as they did to beating Golden State last year in the conference finals, so Chris Paul got hurt. You're not going to get me to buy that Golden State's in their own tier. Sorry. That's, they're on the same tier, those two teams. Houston was that close to beating them. So Houston and Golden State in their own tier. Then there's a second tier in the NBA, in the Western Conference, that the Spurs are in. Portland, New Orleans, Utah, OKC, and the Spurs. Those five teams are in that second tier. I think DeMar DeRozan lifts the Spurs to the top end of that second tier. To yeah. me, the teams that are at the top end of that second tier are the Spurs, are the Jazz, are the Thunder, better than Portland. I, I happen to think that the loss of Rajon Rondo is a Big freaking deal that was. for the Pelicans, yeah. and they're and they're counting on Alfred Payton to be able to do a lot of those same Rondo things, and I think they're going to be bitterly disappointed. That's not that's a big weakness for them in terms of that downgrade. And I think that's going to hurt. Even as much as I love Julius Randle, I feel like he's a great fit there. I don't think it'll be really good. That's going to hurt the Pelicans a lot. And listen, you know what? Portland loses Ed Davis off the bench. But here's the thing. you got to improve in this conference. You have to improve in this conference. And when you look at, at the Spurs putting – say they had Leonard for nine games last year. So you essentially yeah. spent the whole season without Leonard. Still won 47 games. And now you're putting a guy that was – I had him as the, as the fifth-ranked guy in the MVP voting last year, DeMar DeRozan. But certainly was right. a top-ten player in the league last year. So you're going to put DeMar DeRozan on this team. Okay, and again, all right, so you're without Danny Green also, but I like the whole young athletic wing routine. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I listen, I think Derek White's going to be interesting as a combo guy. I've spent, I spent time with Lonnie Walker as, early, as, much, as uh, recently as yesterday at, at the uh, rookie photo shoot. And Lonnie, right, to yeah. me, I think he's got a chance to be a, a Donovan Mitchell type of kid. I think he could really bust onto the scene. He's incredibly athletic. He's incredibly intelligent. Lonnie Walker impressed me yesterday, Jeff, Jeff just as a quick aside. He walked in our media room for an interview 
Okay. And before he sat down with me and my partner, Tina Servasio to do the interview, he shook hands with every person in the room, including two of my wow. kids that were sitting there with me yesterday. But yeah. I over, Hi, I'm Lonnie. Nice to meet you to everybody in the room before he sat down with us for the interview. He's, he's a thoughtful kid. He's an intelligent kid and he's a heck of an athlete. So I look at that situation and say, okay, they're going to need a contribution. Okay. A major significant contribution on this team from one of three guys. I, I like DeJounte Murray a lot, and he's kind of been made in Pop's mold, and he's thinking the game the right way. He's a good athlete. Um, he's got to work on a shot a little bit, but he'll be fine in that role for them. I think he'll play real well. It's what are you going to get in the other wing spots that DeRozan's not playing? And we know Ginobili's not playing more than 18 minutes a game. So it comes mm-hmm. down to those, to me, those three guys. White, Okay, uh, Walker and Brent Forbes. Now, I'll tell you, a year ago, July, I had a conversation with Monty Williams when he was with the Spurs talking to me about how much he loves Brent Forbes, how hard he works. And, and the Spurs have been committed to Brent Forbes and kept him around. And I do think I was very critical of the decision to move on from Jonathan Simmons. I still think it was an awful decision um, for a variety of reasons. But... Forbes is one of the reasons that they did. So I think if we can get a contribution on the wing from one of those guys, I think there's enough there. Pirtle's going to be a guy that helps you a ton, I'm telling you right now. Pirtle's, for what you couldn't get anymore from Pau Gasol on the defensive end of the floor, which you can't get. I mean, he's as good as done here. He really is. He just doesn't move well anymore. But I think Pirtle can really help you with some upside. So this is a better team, but to me it comes down to, if you can find me one of those three young wings, White, Forbes, Walker, to make a significant 20 to 25 minute a game contribution on both ends of the floor. The Spurs rise to the top of that second tier. Yeah. What do you make of that reputation that LaMarcus Aldridge has uh, with him supposedly, you know, not meshing well with another star player. You you heard those rumblings in Portland with him and Lillard Uh, last season. He didn't have to worry about that so much because Kawhi was just out rehabbing and played nine games. Now he's going to have to mess with DeMar DeRozan. How do you think that pairing will uh, turn out? You know, I think LaMarcus is going to be fine. First of all, understand something. The offense is not going to change all that much to accommodate DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is a guy that can get his offense himself within the framework of what they're going to do here. And Aldridge last year, because I think that you've seen an attitude change with Aldridge over time. Aldridge wanted out of Portland because he knew he was going to be Damian Lillard's lieutenant. And he didn't yeah. want to be anybody's lieutenant. So he arrives in San Antonio where he thinks it's going to be equal opportunity. And it ends up being what was best for the team was to not make it equal opportunity. He ended up being Kawhi's lieutenant. And I think that was frustrating to him. And I think ultimately Pops saw the fact that Kawhi was hurt in the offseason as an opportunity to pull LaMarcus back in close, make him feel valued, make him feel like the guy again. Well, he was the guy. They won 47 games with him. And let's face it, not much else. Okay, he was terrific. Yeah, so I think really Lamarcus is at it. He was terrific. He was cool. <laughs> hey, Jeff. So I think Lamarcus' yeah. attitude is going to be, all right, look how well I played. Look that we only won 47 games, and now you've handed me a guy that played as well as I did last year, if not better, for me to play with. Okay, Lamarcus is not a dumb guy. He likes to win. He wants to advance in the playoffs. Okay, He's all in with Pop in a way that, let's face it, Kawhi Leonard wasn't based upon what happened. Mm-hmm. So now with DeRozan there, I think he's going to accept him. I think he's going to embrace him. And I've always been a big proponent of Lamarcus, liked him a lot. I feel like he got a little bit of a bad rap in Portland 
because I think he was kind of underappreciated for everything he delivered there. Some outstanding playoff performances. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you remember a first-round series a couple of years back in Houston, everybody talked about Lillard hitting a game-winning shot. LaMarcus Soldier was a monster in that series. I mean, yeah. <laughs> A monster. He he still can be that dominant. He's got to play a little bit closer to the basket. I think you'll see a little bit more of that. But attitude-wise, I don't think there's anything for Spurs fans to be concerned with regarding Aldridge. And I think the Aldridge-DeRozan combination is going to really work well for the Spurs this year. And I also think uh, DeRozan will help uh, a young DeJounte Murray as well. Uh, you know, add maybe keep him a little tips on his game where Murray can adapt and uh, blossom his game into a different level. You, you, Murray's sharing every moment he has on his offseason workout. I mean, he's obviously targeting his outside shot, in particular his three-point shot. And uh, you can't question his athleticism. He can get to that rim. He can slash and he can finish. But if there's one knock is that he's not consistent on the outside. Now, I'd say DeMar DeRozan is the greatest prolific three-point shooter in the world. But you know, he does have a nice mid-range game, and I think that will help Murray. I think, listen, I think that's going to help Murray, too. I mean, I, yeah. the thing is this. I, you're going to see more up-tempo play out of the Spurs this year because it's going to help him take it. Murray and DeRozan's athleticism is going to give him an advantage over a lot of backwards that play. So I do think you're going to see them push the pace more. Um, to me, the large concern, quite frankly – with DeRozan is not offensively. I'm not worried about how those guys mesh offensively. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned that the Spurs defensively have taken a hit. And that's why I go back to those other young wings and see what they can deliver. Mm-hmm. Because what you essentially did, listen, Green, we know, uh, Jeff, I don't have to tell you this. You watch a team all the yeah. time. Green was not the same player last year. Okay, yeah. And as much as he talks about an injury that wasn't necessarily diagnosed properly and whatever, and he played with it and all that, okay, I, I think of some of that's a little bit hollow. I think that Danny Green is not the same player. I, I don't think that he is the same guy. And so they suffered a little defensively that way, but nonetheless, he was still their best defensive wing last year in the absence of Leonard. DeRozan has times where he just hasn't played wonderful defense. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how maybe being with the Spurs changes that a little bit. And I go back to what I said to you earlier. It's all that much more important for guys like White and Forbes and Walker to be able to do it on both ends of the floor. And that's why I think that DeJounte Murray's such a wonderful fit because he busts it defensively and he's going to be able to take a tough perimeter matchup on the other end. But that's to me, the questions about the Rose and I wouldn't worry so much about what happens offensively. They'll work things out offensively. It may take a little bit of time, but both those guys will be fine with one another. I worry about things defensively because I'll tell you this about LaMarcus Aldridge. What's happened to him since he arrived at the Spurs defensively is an incredible transformation that people don't talk about enough. He's become one of the best guys in the league at uh, best bigs at hedging on pick and roll. He really is. He's become so aware defensively. His positioning is excellent. And just because he's not always making a ton of blocks and a ton of steals, people tend to overlook the immense defensive presence he's been for this team. It's allowed them to play him in five and go small because of, of just how good he is, not only on the perimeter, but you know, getting to the right places inside. Lamarck Soldier has become an excellent defensive big. So to me, that's the big word is what are they going to lose defensively and can DeMar DeRozan be a better player than he's been on that end? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I've been mentioning that right here on Los Angeles Spurs is that we know offensively this Spurs team will be great. They'll be fine. Uh, it's that defense and, you know, yeah, you know, say what you will about Kawhi not playing last season, but he's still an amazing defender. They'll lose that. You know, Danny Green, I know you mentioned about him not being the best, you know, his best game last year, but, you know, they don't have anybody as of right now, that could check 
a, a Steph Curry, a Clay Thompson, a Kevin Durant, a James Harden. You know, you're, right now they have DeMar DeRozan, as you mentioned right now. His defense isn't, you know, that great. So I think that's an area of concern for me heading into the new season uh, once the ball gets tossed up and it's tip-off uh, for the 2018-19 season. Any final thoughts on the Spurs, Brian, before I let you go? No, listen, I, I think it's uh, – they landed on their feet with the Leonard thing in terms of what their goals mm-hmm. were. Their goals are to be good the next two years, good as they can be the next two years while Pop's still coaching them. And then you see what happens there. They got that in a player like DeMar DeRozan. Um, what they decide to do after that will probably depend a lot on, A, how they draft, B, how some of these young guys develop, and see how they yeah. do over the course of the next two years. But they executed their goal in a Leonard trade in a very, very efficient manner with, you know, let's face it, with a gun to their head. Now, listen, some of this, a lot of this, in my opinion, is self-inflicted wounds. So I'm not, I don't totally feel bad for them in this Leonard situation because I do think they brought it on themselves. By the same token, they got themselves into a tough spot, did a real nice job of getting out of it and I think you know it's it's a lot of fun for Spurs fans because you have some established stars to keep you competitive and there's a, a really interesting group of young guys behind those established stars that if they can develop nicely this could be very exciting for the Spurs title contender probably not but you know what a team that can advance around in the playoffs maybe have a, a puncher's chance to go to a conference final in the right scenario with the right because here's the thing and, and I'll wrap after this Jeff my man yeah. Sam Mitchell taught me something a, a long time ago. You may not be able to make enough personnel moves to get as good as the best team. But if you put yourself one notch below, one rung below, and there's an injury by one of those great teams, on one of those great teams, you put yourself in position to be right there with them. And I think that's kind of where the Spurs are. If the Warriors or the Rockets have any kind of significant injury situation, the Spurs pretty much have put themselves in the spot to be the best of the rest. And sometimes, listen, sometimes all you can take is what the market out there gives you, and that's what the Spurs did. Yeah, the Spurs, uh, you know, they definitely made their decision, obviously. They go with uh, DeMar DeRozan, probably the best deal they could have gotten, and they did it, and hopefully, you know, cross fingers, they'll make some noise next season. I agree with you, title contenders, probably not, uh, but I still think they're that team, that one team where you just, that any top-tier team will look at, say, no, I don't want to play the Spurs, I'm good. You know, I don't want to see them in the first round, even if they... Even even if they are, uh, you know, at least close to healthy or not healthy, they're still that team because you never know with Popovich and how this team measures. You know, we, we didn't mention the fact they brought back the Davis Bertans. They bring in former Spur, now current new Spur again, uh, Marco Bellinelli. I think he did okay last season with uh, Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, off that bench. So, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, they're, a little, they're obviously transitioned to a new era. They're moving away from that big three, and they already have. Mono Ginobili is the last one of remnant of that glory day from the Spurs. We'll see how that pans out if he decides to come back for one season or hang it up. Still don't know yet. We're still waiting for him. But, uh, Brian, uh, thank you. Thank you for hopping on the Lockdown Spurs. I've been a big fan of what you and the whole crew do out there at Sirius XM NBA Radio. Every chance y'all talk Spurs, I'm right on it, and I am promoting it as much as I can. Uh, can you tell the listeners exactly how they can – contact you, reach you, and just talk Spurs or NBA basketball with you. You always get me on Twitter, at HoopsCritic. Um, you can hear me. I'll be this week. I will be on SiriusXM NBA Radio, which is Sirius uh, 207XM86. 86 on most radios you have in your car. 
Um, so I will be on there Wednesday with Mitch Lawrence from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, and then I will be on there Thursday uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern time with Eddie Johnson. Those are my two shifts this week. We, uh, we're doing a little bit less shows these days as, we get, as we're in these summer months, so we, once we hit training camp in about a month, we can start to ramp things up a bit. And then once that happens, you'll hear me every single weekend morning, both Saturdays and Sundays, 7 to 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time, Series 207, XMA. And of course, in the Sirius XM app. And I, I think the uh, Twitter handle is just Sirius at Sirius XM at Sirius NBA Radio. NBA yeah. is how you find the NBA, uh, that's where. channel on Twitter at Sirius XM NBA. There you go. Give Sirius XM NBA a follow. And also, please, 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 please give Brian a follow on Twitter at Oops Critic. But for Brian Geltziler, I am Jeff Garcia, and we're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked On Spurs.